Would you open God's precious holy word to Leviticus 18? The boundaries of sexual behavior. <laughs> yeah, I know, I feel the same way. This is like some kind of college course or something. I don't know. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I don't. I don't dread this one as much as I dreaded the one a couple of chapters ago. But uh, the Israelites are to be bound by the law which Moses is receiving for the people. God establishes for His people a code of. Holiness doesn't, doesn't necessarily apply to other nations. These were his people. It's applicable to Israel because Israel is sanctified. They are different. Yahweh has sanctified them. They are different from the rest of the world. God who made us, God who calls his people to himself, has the prerogative of defining sin and establishing boundaries in human behavior. Back at the time of the flood, the declaration was that every imagination of man was to do evil continually. When there is no restraint, when there is no divine restraint, there is no limit to the depth of degradation into which man can spiral. He is in and of himself apart from the grace of God, lost, depraved, and capable of every kind of evil thought and behavior. Because of his love for his people and because of the grace which he, and mercy, which he extends to his own, God, knowing what is best for the culture and the society of his people through his law, regarding his people Israel establishes these boundaries. Of course, we saw the boundary about blood last time. There are other boundaries. The code of holiness will continue in Leviticus after chapter uh, 18. But this chapter deals with that which is a very powerful force in human nature. One Bible scholar describes the force of sexual behavior in the human race like, like a flowing river. It is a wonderful, beautiful, refreshing, and productive thing as long as it flows and stays within its banks. However, if bad things happen, happen and the storms come 
and the river rages out of its banks and becomes a torrential flood, it becomes very destructive, destroying everything in its path. When I read that, I thought that was a pretty good illustration. And it is explained here by the one who created us. God knows, of course, the problems that sexual sin will bring. The problems are so bad that unchecked, they will destroy a nation. It opens up an arena of demonic activity in which a powerful force of human nature unrestrained becomes completely and absolutely destructive to the ruin and demise of the society and the culture in which it remains unrestrained. So there are rules, there are boundaries, and God set them because God knows best. And he gives those, and really, it's pretty easy reading. We're just going to sort of go through it, maybe a comment here and there. But first of all, we have to understand that within, with regard to sexual behavior, there are boundaries, and they are divinely set. These are not the ideas of men. This is, this is the law of God because he knows best. And here it goes. Yahweh spoke to Moses saying, speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, Ani Yahweh in other words, I am Yahweh your God or their God. Like the practice, now here's, here's, the, here's the deal. The only other culture, the only other societal setting that Israel had known at this point was in Egypt from whence they had just come. The only other one they will know is in Canaan. They're not there yet. And so they're between Egypt and Canaan, and yet there are, there are defilements common to both cultures and both societies. And it is this which, which Yahweh addresses. Like the practice of the land of Egypt in which you dwelled, you shall not do. And like the practice of the land of Canaan, to which I'm bringing you, you shall not do. You shall not follow their statutes. Let me stop there just a second. There were over 2,000 deities in the Egypt from which Israel had just come. Two, over 2,000 deities. When we went through Exodus, we talked about some of those and how the plagues seemed to confront the major deities to show that Yahweh, of course, is all-powerful. In studying the background of these gods and goddesses of both Egypt and Canaan, One discovers a litany of rather disgusting uh, behavior 
and cultural lifestyle that is tied to religion. There is less to be discovered about these things in Egypt than there is to be discovered about the ones in Canaan. But they share a common ground. For example, the society and the culture in Egypt from, from whence Israel had come was a, a society. Of course, there were classes of people. There were the elites. And uh, there, was, there was, of course, an institution of marriage that, was, that would set an official registry for families of the elite. But then there were these practices in, uh, in, their, in their religious activity. In, uh, among their gods and goddesses, there were two, and I hope I get their names right, Horus and Set. These were two male deities born after the time of Osiris, so they were secondary deities. And this is written, this is, this is found in, in ancient Egyptian writings. Uh, in in the, the Book of the Dead and the Coffin Texts. Hor, I see. One of these men, I'm, I'm just going to give you the story. I'm not making this up. One of these men admired, one of these sub-gods admired the rear end of the other guy when he passed by. <laughs> and so he, he made, he, he had a plan. <laughs> and I am, the, the plan is so disgusting, I'm not even going to try to describe it. Or talk about it. But he had a plan. And he was going to figure out how the two of them could, could be together, I guess, for eternity. I don't know, in their immortality, whatever. You can read that stuff just so far and you think, well, I think I get the idea here. I don't want to read any more of this. There were also... Among many of the uh, temple places of worship, the temples of the pagan deities of Egypt, an activity called sacred prostitution. To engage with a prostitute was to be engaging in worship in a particular temple toward a particular deity. The female prostitutes were especially uh, easy to see because they painted their faces. I'm just telling you what it says. Put very thick coloring on their lips and tattooed themselves and wore fishnet dresses. 
So if you saw a tattooed, thickly made up woman in a fishnet dress, this wasn't the neighbor's wife. <laughs> this was someone who had devoted herself to sacred prostitution. In Canaan, there was, a, there was a main god, Baal, who had a consort whose name was Asherah or Ashtarot, Ashtaret. That becomes Ishtar in later languages and it becomes Easter in, in, uh, in the English language. And it had to do with fertility. When Baal, there was, a, there was a festival because there was a time to plant crops and then there was a time to harvest those crops. And so there were, there were rituals within the calendar which, I don't know if celebrate is the right word, which celebrated, I don't know. The belief and the thought of the Canaanites was that Baal had uh, gone into the bedroom with Asherah. And the culmination of that would be fertility, crops. It's kind of twisted. It's just, you know. And in order to pray, I guess, for a wonderful planting season and a great crop to follow, people would engage in orgies. And this was a religious activity for them. This was worship. In Canaanite, they had both male and female prostitutes. And so the sexual behavior was across the gamut, the scale. There was a story also of Baal having sex with a goat. This became a special thing. Believing this will help our fertility, this will help our crops. So what arises out of that in religion is orgiastic feasts, male and female prostitute activity, which of course included the gamut of sexual aberration, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, and bestiality, included animals as well. Now that's where they're headed. They were in a culture that had something like that, and they're headed to a culture that this is, this is just, to those people it was fun. This was just wonderful, very satisfying. 
to, to join the great God and his consort in, in creating fertility, in the belief that this would give us a great crop and all that we could possibly want or desire, more than we could possibly want with regard to the crops. Now the Israelites, by the design of God, even in Egypt had remained separate so that they had a subculture that was not mixed with the culture of Egypt, but they were familiar with the culture of Egypt. They were not familiar at all with the culture of Canaan because they hadn't gotten there yet. It had been hundreds of years since their forebears had lived in the land of Canaan. They are going, they have in a guarded sense experienced some of this uh, sexual perversion in the land of Egypt. But in a totally and unrestrained sense, when they go in to conquer and they have to, they have to deal with those people in a more personal way than they did with the Egyptians, they will, they will come face to face with the cultural, acti cultural religious activities borne out by a worship to Baal and Asherah. The worship of Asherah, Ashtaroth, Ashtaroth, she has different names according to the spelling and the way it came out, but the worship of the consort, the goddess, was was to establish a high place with a pole or near a tree. So thus you had groves. When you read about the sins of Israel, the sins of Judah, toward the end of their existence as nations, you will note that the prophet cries out against the high places. Well, that's a homemade temple, a high place. And in the high place, the Israelites would engage in this, these, these awful behaviors because to everybody else whose culture had been allowed to come in and mix with their culture, it was a cool thing to do. It was, it was to bring for Now, God brings increase. All of these things belong to God. And God's people must be focused on the truth that God is the author of all of these things. We pray to him. We ask him. We obey him. We follow his law, his word. We follow his word. And we have faith that our God will care for us. And in Deuteronomy, when we get there someday, if the Lord hadn't come, the teaching is, you know, you'll have blessing if you'll follow the restraints that I've placed on you and you follow the direction I've given you, you'll have a blessing. Your nation will be blessed. But if you don't do that, and then you start worshiping these other gods and goddesses, you'll bring a curse upon yourself. And it'll destroy your culture. It'll destroy your society. So they were to live sanctified lives unmixed from the other nations because Israel was different. The God of Israel was the God, Yahweh. Alelion, the most high God. Now, 
That's why Yahweh says through Moses, don't follow the practice of the Egyptians. Do not follow the practice of the Canaanites. I don't care what their laws or statutes say. You follow my law and not their law. Now that brings us into a contemporary setting, doesn't it? To live in a land where, where these misbehaviors that are going to be described here are just rampant, unrestrained, and laws are passed to protect them. That means that the culture and the society are in trouble. Can't go on like that. It won't last long. So here we go. You shall fulfill my ordinances and observe my statutes to follow them. Ani Yahweh Elohim. I am Yahweh your God. You don't have another God. There is no other God. You shall observe my statutes and my ordinances, which a man shall do, and you shall live by them. I am Yahweh. Constant reminder that this is the word of Yahweh. This is the law of Yahweh. These are the statutes and ordinances of Yahweh. In the plagues back in the time of Egypt before they finally were released, those plagues came defeated and shamed the false gods and goddesses of the Egyptians and just crushed whatever kind of reality people connected to those gods and goddesses. This is what happened. So there's a fresh reminder that there is no god or goddess that can stand up to Yahweh. Now these were of course de demons, they were demonic influences and heavy, strong demonic activity and these were people and a culture who were just immersed in darkness. That's where they were. God's people had remained separate from that. The Canaanites in the land of Canaan where they're traveling, to which they're traveling, are immersed in darkness. Their religious activity is totally demonic. It's all of hell and nothing else. It, it's just the devil ruining people, ruining families, ruining societies, ruining neighborhoods, ruining nations, even to their destruction. This is one reason they are so weak. They can't stand against the Israelites who are coming in because the demonic influence that sets them into this, this, uh, Se these sexual aberrations has weakened these people in, in a lot of different ways, not the least of which is psychologically. So the, it begs the question when you think of our own society. As a society and as a culture, are we weaker than we were 50 years ago? Could we call up the young people of today and fight World War II? 
run and whine and hide. These are good questions. Now, God's people are always light shining in darkness. And of course, this is our responsibility. So there are ordinances that exist and they're established here. So we go to the next section. The boundaries begin at home. No man shall come near to any of his close relatives to uncover their nakedness. I am Yahweh. Now this, this section has to do with incest. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father or the nakedness of your mother. She is your mother. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's wife. It is your father's nakedness. The nakedness of your sister, whether your father's daughter or your mother's daughter, whether born to one who may remain in the home or born to one who must be sent outside, you shall not uncover their nakedness. There is something sacred about the home, of course, and sacred about family relationships. The nakedness of your son's daughter or your daughter's daughter, you shall not uncover their nakedness for they are your own nakedness. The nakedness of the daughter of your father's wife, born to your father, she is your sister. Now let's think back. Well, from here, think forward, but think of Herod and Herodias and the dancing daughter. This, this, this old man, this weird old man is lusting after his stepdaughter. He's old and he's old. And she's, she's young, but she has been trained in that kind of life. Now you see, this is why John the Baptist said, you can't live and keep doing this. God won't let this continue. And he cried out against him, standing on the law that the people were supposed to obey. Well, here it is right here. And then uh, verse 11, the nakedness of the daughter of your father's wife, born to your father, she is your sister. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's sister. She is the close relative of your father. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, for she is the close relative of your mother. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your father's brother. You shall not come near his wife. She is your aunt. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your daughter-in-law. She is your son's wife. You shall not uncover her nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of your brother's wife. It is your brother's nakedness. You shall not uncover the nakedness of a woman and her daughter. You shall not take in marriage her son's daughter or her daughter's daughter to uncover her nakedness. They are close relatives. It is evil counsel. This will never work, is what Yahweh is saying. And you shall not take a woman with her sister in marriage as rivals to uncover the nakedness of one upon the other in her lifetime. That won't work. These things are illegal. They are against the law of Yahweh. 
You can pretty much group it under incest. Trying to establish sexual relationships with people who also have a family relationship to you. Well, it's just simply forbidden. You shall not do this. Don't do it. Now, having covered the violations that could happen at home, the mandates of Yahweh move on to other forms of violations and perversions. And to a woman during the time of her customary impurity, you shall not come near to uncover her nakedness. You shall not lie carnally with your neighbor's wife to become defiled by her. And you shall not give any of your offspring to pass through for mulch. Now this is killing your babies. That's what this is. You shall not kill your babies. And you should not profane the name of your God. I am Yahweh. Those activities profane the name of our God. You shall not do it. You shall not do it. You shall not do it. And of course, the children are protected. Listen, child sacrifice. If you study this out in the Canaanite culture and also in the Egyptian culture, the destruction of infants was a twisted form of birth control, I guess you'd say. Sexual behavior was unrestrained and women would get pregnant. But that's not why they were having sexual behavior and so they just killed the babies. And they made it a religious sacrifice to Molech. Even Israel, listen, even God's Old Testament people fell into all of this stuff, fell into all of it. That's why they weren't in the land for all those hundreds and hundreds of years. They were dispersed. They've had a long time to think about what they did wrong. So, you should not profane the name of your God. I am Yahweh. You shall not lie down with a male as with a woman. This is an abomination. You see, God's talk gets a little harsher here. And with no animal shall you cohabit to become defiled by it. And a woman shall not stand in front of an animal to cohabit with it. This is depravity. You can study this. You can study Romans 1. You can study the culture. You can study the history of these people. When this door is opened and the first practice seems sort of kind of simple, you know, I'm, I'm going to flirt with my neighbor's wife or whatever. It won't stop there. Unrestrained, it collapses all the way into extreme depravity, which would include bestiality. <laughs> I don't try to keep up with these things. My guess is 
since these other things are happening, my guess is this is happening in our culture and in our society as well. Because one collapses into another. Remember what the Lord said at the flood, the imagination of man, every imagination of man is to do evil continually. And so God must intervene. We must have the presence of God, the true and living God. And this is the way it was with Israel, the presence of the true and living God. And the true people of God cannot tolerate these things. They're intolerable. In no way should they be allowed any quarter at all because there is a sect of society, especially younger people, to which a lot of this stuff just looks so good and fun and cool and everything without thinking that the end result is absolute destruction of your society. Your children will be given over to Molech in a spiritual sense. They'll be given over to Baal and uh, these demons. So this, Yahweh says, is depravity. Why is it like this? Because God's people are not like the rest of the world. God says to Israel, you will not be like the other nations. You shall not defy yourselves by any of these things. For the nations whom I am sending away from before you have defiled themselves with all of these things. And the land became defiled. And I visited its sin upon it, and the land vomited out its inhabitants. Darkness and, and total depraved confusion. I'm not even sure it's confusion. It's just stark, aberrant behavior that is intended by the one who commits it. Such that I read an article where it's being taught in college. There's something like 32 different genders now, and you're not supposed to say he and she and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, and a man can identify as a woman. A woman can identify as a man. And we have a very high official in our government who is a man, and he identifies as a woman. And he makes decisions on such things as pandemic that's going on today, it's just, it's unthinkable. It's unthinkable. So here it is. This will defile the land. I'll visit those sins on that land. And that land will vomit the inhabitants out of it. They will become homeless. They will become enslaved. They'll be driven out. Now, We believe God's word is true, of course. But as for you, you shall observe my statutes and my ordinances. And you shall not do like any of these abominations, neither the native nor the stranger who sojourns among you. You see what he's saying? I don't care where they grew up. I don't care if they're not Israelite. 
You don't allow them to do these things. It will not happen in Israel. That's what God says. For all the people, for, for the people of the land who preceded you did all of these abominations and the land became defiled. I've, I've read scholarly articles where liberal theologians will argue against the Israelites displacing the Canaanites because the Canaanites were there and Israel didn't have the right to go in. Well, here's, how, here's what God says about that. They have become so sinful that they have, they have lost their right to nationhood. They can't exist like this. And so they have to be thrown out of the land. That's God's decision. And that's what he says here. That land has become defiled. And let the land not vomit you out for having defiled it as it vomited out the nation that preceded you. How sad that it did in the closing pages of the Old Testament. For anyone who commits any of these abominations, the persons doing so shall be cut off from the midst of their people. And you shall observe my charge not to commit any of the abominable practices that were done before you. And you shall not become defiled by them. I am Yahweh, your God. Well, that's pretty straightforward. I can't add a whole lot to that. So let's pray. Father, we come humbly as your people stunned by the truth that it seems we live in the very midst of Canaan. Surely these are the last days. Oh Lord, give us strength and help us to proclaim your word and to cry out of the grace of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. That the last of the Gentiles will finally come in. So then at last, we can be caught up into your presence to live with you forever. In Jesus' name, amen.